But we're going to go ahead and uh, continue. Last week we began uh, a little, I guess you can call it a little series, and we talked about the idea of believing the living word. We've been talking about growing in our belief over the last couple of months, and belief, as we know, isn't just an intellectual agreement of some facts, but it's actually trusting in God. It's having a committed relationship with God, and it's also living out in response to that relationship with God. And so our belief, our faith is more than just one particular aspect, but it's all of these things. It's our life. It is our commitment and relationship to God. And so we talked a little bit about that. And our main point while we were in the park was that we need to understand that our view of God's need to be correct. We need to view God's commands and see that they're not burdensome, but they are a blessing. And that God's commands, they're not restrictive but they point us to him. They protect us from harm and they allow us to be aware of harm that can violate our faith and relationship with God. And so today we're going to continue looking into God's word and see how God's word directly influences our potential for faith. And so the title for today is this. It is the source of potential faith. The source of potential faith. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you that we have a message from your word today. And God, I pray that we can appreciate all that you have done to give us your word. Father, that you would want to reveal yourself to us through your word. God, that you weren't just a, a, a clockmaker and God, you just didn't create us and, and, and then exit. But God, you have stayed involved and you keep revealing yourself to us through your spirit. And Father, I pray that as you are the father of lights, the God of creation. Lord, I pray that today that we can appreciate and value you. God, that we can have uh, some metanoia, a different view of you. And God, that we can go away strengthened and encouraged to grow in our faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. I'm not sure. It sounded like a little bit of feedback there. I'm not sure what it is going on. But um, I, I will say this. I'm excited to speak God's word, and I like to move around when I speak. However, I feel a little hesitant because God keeps teaching me that I'm getting old. And so we had a park service last week. And uh, Rava, thank you so much. We had a volleyball tournament. Rava went to go ahead and, and coordinate the volleyball tournament. And Rava tried to clown me last week as well, those who were there, and tried to talk about my stature and my height there. And really didn't appreciate that, Rava. You know what I'm saying? I've been struggling. I'm confessing right now. Thank you. Let it out. I appreciate it. Twan, you understand me. Y'all laughing like as if that was a knock. No, I'm saying where we relate. You know what I'm saying? But anyhow, word, there you go. And so, so, it, was, so it was so cool. I played, and uh, the Lord said, Marcel, you know you can't play anymore like you're a young man. So as we were playing, and you know what? I will say this, Craig. I did better than I thought I was going to do. I didn't embarrass myself out there. That was the goal, Chad. Just don't embarrass yourself. I got kids watching. My kids can't be like, oh, Pops didn't embarrass the whole family out here. You know what I'm saying? And so 
I went at some point to do something and I turned and I felt something. And I said, man, that is weird. I've never felt that in my life. I said, okay, don't worry about it. So I kept playing and I'm like, okay, cool. And then Monday came and I woke up and said, man, what in the world is that same thing that's going on? But this time there was more pain. And now I'm online looking up and you don't want to go online, Dallas. You think you're dying. You look up like, man, it's a hangnail, but I might die tomorrow. You know what I mean? And so I'm looking and I think it's a hip flexor. And, and so I had to call my buddy and say, hey, man, what do I do for this? And, you know, and I'm, I'm freaking out and I still haven't done what I need to properly do. I'm just confessing again. But then to realize, and then I'm texting Eric, and Eric, he was laid out as well. Uh, he had some challenges from the volleyball tournament. We're texting back and forth, and uh, we both came to the conclusion that we are no longer young men and shouldn't have been out there. You know what I'm saying? At least without stretching. That was a problem. As I got to stretch, you know what I'm saying? Nick, you don't have to stretch. Any, you don't have to stretch. But me, I got to stretch. And so if I trip and fall, I need somebody to help me up today. That was the long story, okay? So if I trip and fall, I hurt myself, please come up, and uh, that will be embarrassing. I will embarrass my kids if I do that, but I need to pray again. Can I pray again for that, that I don't trip and fall? Just playing, amen. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the Word. Sorry, you see how my mind works. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 10. It's important that we start off here. Romans chapter 10. Here's a letter written to the church in Rome by the Apostle Paul. He uh, was actually one who persecuted Christians. He came to believe in Christ and then he not only believed in Christ, he became a leader in the church and then he dies for his faith in Christ. That is a testimony of God's power. But he writes something real quickly here and we don't have enough time to get into the whole context of Romans, but he says this golden nugget here that's so important for us today as we talk about this idea of the word and its direct relationship with our faith. And it says here, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ, depending on what translation of the of the Bible you have, it might say the word of Christ. And it says here something real clear and simple and easy. If we want to have faith, if we want to grow in our faith, the source is what? The word of God. And we know in the Old Testament, everything's pointing toward Jesus. And the New Testament is Jesus' life. And then how do we respond to Jesus in our lives and as a church today? So all of God's word is pointing toward Jesus. And so we see here again, this message of Christ or about Christ is contained in what we call the Bible. And so this is the source of our potential faith. And here's the thing, the amount of God's word that's stored in your heart and in your mind will directly impact the amount of faith that you have. The amount of God's word that you have in your heart and your mind will directly influence how much faith you have. And so I'd like for us to see this here. And I'll, let me also say this. Uh, uh, much of what I talked to, or I'm going to talk about today comes from a chapter in the book called Radical Faith by Randy McKean. And I was so inspired by it. I said, man, this is good stuff. I have to share this with the congregation. And it tied in to our context of talking about belief. But look at this right here. You see, if you have a little bit of God's word in your life, that means you're going to have a little bit of potential for faith. 
If you have zero or none of God's word in your life, in your heart, then you're going to have no potential for faith. And if you have much of God's word, then you're going to have the potential for great faith in God. Again, our faith being not only just trusting in him, but also in our relationship and commitment to him, and then also our lifestyles in connection to our relationship with him. And so we see this laid out in the book of Luke in chapter 8. And so Luke was a doctor and he became a Christian. And he decided, you know, I'm going to do some investigating. I'm just going to go and let's figure out what happened. I want to go back and talk to the eyewitnesses and see what was it like when they saw Jesus, what he taught. And so he wrote this letter, which we now call the gospel according to Luke. And so in Luke chapter 8, we're going to take it up in verse 4. Church, are you with me? All right. So in Luke chapter eight and verse four, let's read. It says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Jesus often taught in parables so that people can remember it. They can reflect upon it. They can see the deeper truth that comes through the simple, simple form of a parable. And he says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And so he uses this farmer because he knows, hey, we're an agricultural society, so everybody's going to be able to, 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 to get this. And even us today, even though many of us have never maybe even been on a farm, we can understand this parable. And he says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. So other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So he goes and he shares this parable. And so the, the apostles with him, they ask him, hey, can you, can you explain some more of what you meant with, with this, whole, this whole parable about the farmer and seeds and all of that? And so we jump on over to verse 11 and Jesus starts to tell them what it means. It says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And let's stop right there. This is important. That as Jesus breaks it down, we always remember that this seed that he has been talking about refers to the word of God. And so as the seed is planted, again, what's being planted? The word of God. You guys with me here? And so this is important for us to remember this because then it'll help us to make sure we get Jesus' message and see how it applies to our lives today. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Okay, let's stop right there. Again, we have to understand the whole point is there's seed being planted and there's soil. There's some good soil. There's some bad soil. As we're going to see, there's some, some soil that's entangled, some soil that's shallow, and some soil that's good. The soil always represents the hearts of those who have received the word of God. You guys here with me? Okay, all right, so Jesus is telling us, all right, he says, look, guys, hey, the seed, that's the word. The receiving the soil, that's the hearts, the hearts that hear and have received the word of God. So, again, this is going to help us to see how, how much of the word we have will equal the potential faith that we have. So he says here, takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. 
Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Those who hear the word retain it and by persevering produce a crop. We'll stop right there. Again, the seed is the word of God. The soil represents the hearts. And we see here that there's the hard heart, there's the shallow heart, there's the entangled heart, and then there's the good heart. So let's break it down a little more. He's talking about this hard heart. He says, hey, this is the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. You see, the hard heart, it received the word of God, but it didn't retain the word of God. It quickly was removed. And so we can be so blinded by Satan or we can be so hardened by sin and pride that we won't even listen to the word of God. And maybe that was some of us before we became true Christians. Or maybe we have some family members or some friends that we know, wow, man, if I try to plant the word of God, it is quickly rejected. You ever had that experience? As we can see, it's not that the word has been the problem, it's that the heart is hard. And so it has the potential for faith because it received the word, but yet it did not take root. So then we go on over to the shallow heart. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And so this is the shallow heart. So it had faith. There's joy. There's excitement. It's coming back from camp. I'm excited. But then yet two weeks later or maybe a month or maybe even a year doesn't take the word in deeply. It just stayed on a shallow level. So therefore, when there was a temptation, when there was a trial, when there was a hard time, when it required some character, some grit, some perseverance, some push through, it didn't. So therefore, it dwindled and falls away. Again, the word was planted, the word was received, but yet it didn't go deep. Maybe some shallow Bible study, just learning the very basics and leaving it at that. Then we go on over to the entangled heart. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. The entangled heart. There's faith, but it's choked out. You know, in three of the, uh, of the gospels, three of the four gospels, which, you know, scholars like to call the synoptic gospels, has this parable. And each time Jesus says it a little differently. And I don't think it's because that the guys just got it wrong. I believe Jesus told this parable time and time again. And just like you and I, when we tell stories time and time again, we don't tell the story the same way each time, do we? And so in this instance and in every instance, it talks about how this third soil, it gets choked out by either sin, worries, riches, pleasures. And it says something interesting. It says it didn't fall away. It did not mature. 
So it's still in the fellowship. It's still around. Some of us think the third soul, it left God. No, it's still present, but it's not maturing. It's not growing. And then you can argue, okay, so what's going to happen in the end for salvation? You know, because we, we read in John where Jesus says, hey, look, uh, my, my father cuts the branches that do not mature. And, and, and so we can, we can have maybe a little bit of fear. Maybe that's the case or maybe they're going to come around and come to repentance. Regardless, the point is when we make poor choices, when we have misplaced priorities, we therefore can now crowd out the word of God in our lives. And now we're consumed with what's going to happen, my future, or what can I obtain? What can I go after? How much more of this can I have in my life? And therefore, stop growing in the faith and being choked out. And so the word, instead of it producing more and more faith, it gets entangled and shrivels and shrivels. And then we get on over into the good hearts. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. They retain. This good heart retains it. It receives it. And then it, it, it goes, and when it means retains, it means it wasn't just for a little while. That's what happened with two of the three soils, right? There was, it was there, but it either fell away quickly or after a while got choked out. No, this one retains it for a period of time, but then perseveres. So when the trial, the testing, the hard time, when there needs to be some push through, this heart's because the word has taken root, because it's growing deeper and deeper and deeper, it perseveres. And then what happens, it has an impact. You know, in other ones, in Matthew and Mark, it talks about this soil produces 30, 60, or 100 times more. So it has an influence upon other people, producing a crop, keeping the word, considering the word, appreciating the word, and most of all, living out the word. Here's the cool thing that I always have appreciated about this passage. Every single one of us fit into one of these categories. But we choose which category we'll be in. This is not predetermined. This is not something we are not in control of. But we get to determine what are we going to do with God's word? Are we going to keep it shallow in our lives? Or are we going to allow it to be crowded out by other things? Or will we hear it, retain it, and then persevere through the gospel of Jesus? And so we see again in this passage here, this idea here that again, if you have a little bit of God's word, then you have a little bit of potential for faith. You have none of God's word in you, then really there's, you have no potential for faith. And you have much of God's word, then there's much potential for faith. Because in this parable, all had the same opportunities. It wasn't based on their intelligence. It wasn't based on where they grew up, how, what their financial status was. It didn't matter if they grew up in the faith or not. Every single one had the same opportunity because the word was planted, but yet what they did with the word determined their potential for faith. You guys see that there? Every single one. Every single one of us can be the fourth soil. Every single one of us. But it depends on our hearts and what we're going to do with the Word of God when we receive it. 
And so we have the chance for great faith, the chance for a great walk with God. But we also have a chance to have absolutely none of that. And so we get to choose. And this is the blessing. And there's the opportunity. Here's the responsibility we have. We get a chance to choose which soil we will be. You know, I want to ask you a question here. When you grew the most spiritually and your faith was growing, what role did God's word have during that time? Think back. I know some of us, maybe we haven't come to faith here, so, so just bear with us for a quick second here. But those of us who have made the decision for Jesus to be Lord, the time that you grew the quickest, the time that you grew the most, what role did God's word play during that time? Did it have a significant role? Of course it did, right? In fact, and for many of us, this was the first time where we grew exponentially. We were like, whoa, why? Because we were consuming God's word like never before. We were consuming it, it was new, it was fresh, and whoa, this is, this is intriguing, I'm excited, I can't believe it. We started knowing verses, we started trying to memorize verses, we were trying to share verses with other people. And then our lifestyle was starting to change. Our view was starting to change. The way we felt our heart was starting to be more God-like. We started to have different decisions, we had victories over sin. And the Word of God was such a prominent factor in all of it. Now think to the times when you have done the worst spiritually. How has God's role, I mean, how has God's Word played a role? You weren't consuming in the same way, were you? You weren't valuing it. You weren't appreciating it. Maybe you were neglecting it. Or maybe you were consuming it to some form or fashion, but yet you rejected it by not living it out. You see, God's word and how it's stored in our hearts will equal the potential of faith that we have. And all of us can testify, man, when I'm knee deep in God's word, when I'm learning, when I'm growing, my faith is expanding. My lifestyle is changing. My view is changing. My relationships are different. I handle situations differently. But when you remove the word from my life, man, it starts to get dark. It starts to resemble what I was like before I said Jesus is Lord. I know for me, this is one of the things that, that God has, has really made abundantly clear for me over the last year or so. As I started looking, I said, man, you know, the times when I'm not the closest to God, I feel the, the most distant and I'm disconnected from God. It's not because I haven't been in the word. It's because I, I truly am not learning in the same way. I'm realizing that when I'm learning, when I'm growing, I'm like, wow, this is deep. This is new or, or, or this is just a, a, a new look, a fresh look at something. Man, my excitement goes and then my inspiration goes. Therefore, my faith goes. But then there's times when I'm going through the motions in my daily personal devotional time with God. And then after a while, I see the effects of it. You guys get what I'm saying? And so just for me, I go, wow, you know, I need to be consistently on a path to learning and growing and finding depth or insight or just a new fresh look at God's word. Because if not, boy, oh boy, I'm not a good husband or a good father. My kids can see it. They don't realize it right now, but they'll catch on when they get a little older. Dad, you ain't really been learning, have you? And so I'm realizing, 
Man, how desperately I need, not just to, to, to read it every day, but, but to go in depth, to retain it and to persevere in God's word. Brothers and sisters, can you hear what I'm saying here? And the thing that I have to realize, and here's the call for you as well, is that it is my personal responsibility. It's not the person to your right or your left on what you do with the word of God. It's not the church's responsibility. Hold up, wait a minute, did he just say that? The church helps, but it's our personal responsibility. Because the source of our potential faith is not the church. The source is our heart when it comes to God's word. What are we doing with God's word? That's what it comes down to. And so we need to take personal responsibility. This is why we encourage everyone to have personal devotional time with God. Because if you're depending on Sunday or maybe Wednesday, you're going to be hurting for at least half of the week. Because if you're like most of us, it's not going to sustain you throughout the rest of the week. But now maybe you could take something from Sunday and maybe you meditate it on Monday. Maybe you do something different with it on Tuesday. Maybe on Wednesday as you're with your brothers and sisters, you gain some more insight or some refreshment. And then you talk about that on Thursday and then Friday. You guys get what I'm saying? That can help you out. But who's responsible? You are. I am. And so we have to understand again, Jesus say, hey, guys, in this parable, it was the sower's faults. No. It's our response and what we do with God's word. I want to show you this real quickly here. You guys know what this is right here? It's an acorn. What happens with an acorn? What can an acorn produce? What, what can it become? An oak tree, right? When you have an acorn there, right, and you go ahead, that little small acorn can produce an oak tree, which becomes giant and we know can live up to 100 years. You know, God does something really cool here that we can learn from the acorn. You know, when you have an acorn, that little corn, that little acorn has the ability and the power of life, if you will. It has the power of life to produce an oak tree. But you know something interesting? God already gave that power inside of that acorn. It didn't, God just didn't go all of a sudden go, you know, let's just zap this thing and now we have a big oak tree. No, he doesn't do that. And you know, it's the same with our faith. You know, God doesn't just zap us and, have, and we have faith that, that's high and mighty. No, he has faith planted in us through what? His seed, which is the word of God. And when that seed, that word of God, when we receive it, but we allow it to grow deep and grow consistently in our hearts, then our faith grows into something that's strong, that's fruitful, and that's vibrant, and it has an impact upon our, uh, on those around us. You see, if you and I want to have an, an, a growing, fruitful, vibrant faith, then we have to understand that God's given us the power of life, just like the acorn. He's given it to us with the word of God. And so we have to do something with it. And what should we do? I believe we need to consume God's word. I want to look over here in Deuteronomy chapter 8. 
And he says here, and this is a, a time here where, where Moses is referring back to when God's people were on their way from, from Egypt over to Israel and God started to provide manna. He said, look, I'm going to provide manna for you every day, this, this substance for them to be able to eat so that they would learn to depend upon God. And it says here in Deuteronomy 8, he says, he humbled you causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know, Jesus quotes this when he's tempted in, in, the, uh, in the wilderness. What does this say here? What does Jesus reveal when he quotes it? That God's ultimate goal then and now is to teach us to daily gain faith through his word. We don't live just physically on, on, on bread, but spiritually, we need God's word daily. Let me ask you a question. Could you, could you live without food for a day? Of course. Could you live without food for a week? Some like, yeah, technically I can, but I can't. You know what I mean, right? Could you live without food for a month? Yeah, yeah, you can, right? But what would happen? Day by day and week by week, you would what? Get weaker. And so eventually, if you continue not to have any food, what would happen? You would die. Same spiritually. Spiritually, could you live without the word of God for a day? Yeah. Could you live for a week spiritually? Yeah. Could you live for a month? Yeah. But what would happen to you day after day and week after week? You would get weaker and weaker until the point in which you spiritually died. You see, we need to be consuming God's word. That's why it's important that our view of God's word is proper. It's not restrictive and burdensome. It's freeing. It's allowing us to have a deeper understanding and relationship with God and understanding of how to treat his creation. And then we can see that it's a blessing for our lives, but we spiritually need it. You know, God created us to eat daily, but he created us to, to, to nourish spiritually upon his word every day. It's the only way that you and I will stay healthy, strong, and alive spiritually. And so consuming God's word means daily, just like you eat and hopefully you brush your teeth daily, right? We need to make sure that we are washing ourselves with the word, that we're consuming God's word. Some of us, we need to go back to memorizing scripture. I know a certain time uh, about last year, I was memorizing more scripture than I had for probably a couple years. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me about a week ago and said, hey, you, remember you're supposed to memorize John 17? Uh, you, you didn't quite get there. And I'm like, oh, man, that's right. And so I'm trying, trying to go ahead and memorize uh, the last part of John 17, 20 through 26 there. And so we need to be consuming it. That means reading it. That means pondering it. That means reflecting upon it, meditating upon it, memorizing scriptures, sharing God's word with each other. Hey, here's what I'm learning. Here's what I have a question about. For those of us, our parents, we need to be teaching our kids God's word, not just hopeful that kids kingdom class will do it. Because, look, we don't have a kids kingdom class today. And so we need to be teaching it. We need to be reaching out to people, sharing God's word. Here's a here's a crazy thing about consuming God's word. I know this is radical, right? It's like old school. You know what I mean? Like taking notes on the messages we hear about God's word. 
Ooh, did he say that? Oh, I know. Oh, there you go. Rusty, the A student. There you go. Rusty's over here. Brown knows it. There you go. Come on, baby. I appreciate it. There you go. I ain't, I ain't mad at you. I know that's crazy, Marcel. Why would I take notes on God's word? That's so old school. You're so legalistic. Or maybe that's what the good heart do. Maybe that's those who retain it. Maybe that's what those do who persevere, who produce a crop. I'm just saying, we got to make sure we're consuming God's word. This is not your, for in your entertainment. This is not good philosophy. This is God's word that he's trying to transform you into his image with. And that he's shaping you and he's drawing you into a closer relationship with him. And then last but not least, consuming God's word means to put it into practice. We don't want to be a bunch of philosophers. We don't want to be a bunch of theologians. We want to be men and women of the word, meaning we put it into practice. I know that's one thing that inspired me so much when I came to this church is that people were serious. Everywhere I looked, everybody was taking notes. I was like, man, I, I better take some notes. I never took a note in my life. And I was in college at that point. Now nah, I probably did take some college notes. OK, all right. But I remember I was inspired, but then here was the thing I said, okay, yeah, that's cool. But then when we got together and we were talking, they were actually living it out. It wasn't a facade. It wasn't a religious churchy Sunday thing. People were actually living it out. They were calling each other to it. Hey, here's what God's word says. Here's how God feels about you. Here's what God's calling you back. You're starting to veer a little bit, Marcel. Come on back to where God is calling you. And they were living it out. And I was like, whoa, I am not a true Christian. And then I studied the word more and I got baptized and I became a true Christian and tried to follow the example set for me. I know so many of you, that could be said about you, but I wonder, is that still our culture? Is that still the norm? When people come in, are they like, whoa, these are people of the word? Or are they like, oh, okay. They were entertained just like I was. He was good that day, or the, word, the word's cool, yeah. It's good, it's good literature. It's, good, it's cool to post on IG and Twitter. You know, I'll get my devotion, maybe my, my daily uh, uh, inspirational quotes. See, brothers and sisters, I know this is a church that I have fallen in love with here and worldwide because God showed me that here were people who were retaining and persevering in the Word. That there was a collective culture, it was the predominant. It characteristic that they loved God's word and they lived it out. I pray that we can continue that legacy of faith. I'm not saying that we're, we haven't, but I'm saying I'm wondering if we still are. But I believe every one of us wants to and God is calling us to it and we will answer that call. So again, faith comes from the word, which is our potential Faith. Let's close out here real quickly with some action steps. Number one, I want to encourage you to have deeper personal Bible study every day this week. Go deeper. You know, just the word of the day or verse of the day on the Bible app, that's not going deeper. Okay, now maybe you can have that as a starting point, but, but, but that's not going to cut it. I want to encourage you to go deeper. Take notes what you're doing. Interact with God's word. Pray about it. You know, I have a whole template that I love to share. I shared it with, with North Orange County here about maybe five, six years ago. But you can email me or text me and I'll go ahead and send you a little template that'll help you, guide you that every single day, guaranteed, you will go deeper in your Bible study. So go ahead. If you're visiting, come and talk to me afterwards and I'll go ahead and shoot it to you. But second of all, 
Here's something I want to encourage all of us to do. Memorize a verse this week. Memorize a verse. I don't know what verse it is. Whatever verse God puts on your heart, try to memorize a verse this week. And you know what? Try to keep going for a verse a week. But just to start off, let's just crawl, walk, and run. All right, let's just crawl, walk, and run. Let's just all try to memorize a verse this week. Brothers and sisters, let's make sure that the word of God, that we are the good hearts because we get to choose which heart and which soil we will be. And so as we come to a close here, we have to remember that faith comes from the word of God. And again, a little bit of God's word in us equals a little bit of potential for faith. No word equals no potential for faith. Much of God's word stored in us will equal much potential faith. And then we can consume God's word. Right now, we're going to take the emblems that represent Jesus' body and blood that was sacrificed. We're going to take communion. And this sacrifice was so that those who would believe could have salvation, that those who would believe would have eternal life. You know, Jesus revealed and modeled the word of God. And through him, we can have true faith and salvation. Let's close out in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your message here today. God, I know I have been encouraged, I've been challenged, Father, to correct my, my view of your word. I've been inspired, God, to go deeper in meditation upon your word. Father, I'm inspired to go ahead and memorize more verses. But Father, we are so grateful that Jesus, the Logos, that he is the word. And Father, that the word that was preached about him, the word preached of him, God gives us life today. And Father, we thank you that Jesus persevered, that he produced a crop 130, a million times more. And Father, we thank you that he taught and revealed you to us. And Father, we thank you that Jesus, again, persevered upon the cross. He could have came down, he could have ran, he could have left, he could have quit, but yet he didn't. And we thank you so much for his resurrection, for that is the basis of our faith. We thank you for the love, for the mercy, and the grace that we find in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.